This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll We're back, my sweetest friends, after the wonderful, most special holiday of Pesach. And now, of course, we're counting up to receiving the Torah on the holiday of Shavuot. And here's a story that was told by the Tzemach Tzedek, Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Lubavitch, who said that his grandfather, Rabbi Shneer Zalman, the Balatanya, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, told this story on the seventh day of Pesach. Before the Hedegabal Shem Tov was known, he used to travel around through villages and cities in order to raise the spirits of the Jews living there because their lives were so hard. And he would do things in a quiet way without anybody really knowing. And since nobody knew who the Baal Shem Tov was at the time, it was a lot easier than when he was revealed. And in those days, there was a young Jewish boy, his name was Shlaimi, who lived in one of the villages. And when he was four years old, Rahman al-Tzlan shouldn't know from these things. His father passed away, and a year later, his mother passed away, and he was raised by an uncle. And his uncle hired a malamed, a teacher, to teach him Torah. But this young boy couldn't seem to learn anything. And he was brought to the cheder, to the Jewish religious school, and he would sit in the lessons, and all of the kids would laugh at this little boy. <laughs> who couldn't even seem to learn the Aleph Bet, the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. But even though Shlaimi wasn't able to learn, he had an incredibly strong desire to be a Torah scholar. And he had once come across a passage that his Melamed taught that said that prayer had the power to break through all barriers. That if he truly wanted to be a Torah scholar, then for Hashem, anything is possible. And all he had to do was keep asking Hashem to help him learn Torah. But the years passed, and Shloimi was kind of like his head was a steel drum, and nothing was getting in. But when he reached the age of 12, his aunt and uncle decided that they were no longer going to pay for him to go to school. And so they went to a tinsmith, and they asked him to take Shloimi as an apprentice, where he would learn a profession, be able to make all kinds of things from tin. And the tinsmith, being a simple Jew, and Shloimi, being a simple Jew, he took him in and slowly began to teach him the craft, heating up the metal, bending the metal combining different pieces and making all kinds of useful tools and products from tin. And Shlaimi noticed that the other tinsmiths and the other craftsmen, they would either say Tehillim or review a Mishnah by heart. But Shlaimi, not knowing any Mishnayot or any Tehillim by heart, and having difficulty even saying the blessings, the brachot, he would just say the brachas out loud. Say, Baruch atah Hashem, Elokeinu melech haolam, Borei pri hagafen. And he would be sitting there saying the blessing over wine, the blessing over bread, the blessing over fruit, all the blessings that he knew. And he said them with Hashem's name. And eventually, somebody told him, you know, Shloimi, you're not allowed to say a bracha without actually eating something or seeing or doing something. You shouldn't be doing that. And it really frustrated him. And realizing that he didn't know any Torah, he couldn't remember anything, he would simply repeat the Aleph Bet out loud. Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, Hevav, Zayin, Chetet, Yud. And he would go all day long through the alphabet. Sometimes he'd sing it to a melody. Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, Hey. Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, Hey. And that's what he would do. 
all day long through his working. And Hashem blessed his hands, and he became very good at being a tinsmith. And within a year, he became a bar mitzvah. And even though it had originally been agreed that he would be an apprentice for several years, the tinsmith, seeing that Shlomi knew what he was doing, agreed to help him establish his own business at 13 years old. And he worked on his own, and he was very successful. Being that he was so young, and that he only had himself to support, he gave out a lot of tzedakah. But it pained him so deeply that he couldn't seem to learn any Torah. And a few years later, there was a simple villager who worked making tar and pitch in the forest. And a shidduch was made between him and the pitch and tar worker's daughter. And they got married. And they moved to a nearby village. And Shlomi opened a tinsmith. And once again, Hashem blessed his hands. And he became very wealthy. But he told his wife all the time, I'd happily give away all this wealth to have the wealth of Torah. And she would look lovingly at her husband and say, My husband, if that would really work, I would agree that we would give away all of our wealth. And in the town that they had moved to, there was a Torah scholar, a shochet, and a melamed, teacher of young children. And the tinsmith once went to the Torah scholar, and he said, You know, it pains me so deeply. My whole life I've been trying to learn Torah, and I can't seem to remember anything. And the Torah scholar reminded him of the agreement in biblical times between the tribe of Yisachar and Zvulun where one tribe would sit and learn Torah, and the other tribe would support them through trade and business. And the Torah scholar said to Shloimi, You're a very wealthy man, and you're so young, you can give tzedakah to Torah scholars. Many simple people like you support Torah scholars, and in heaven, they're considered just as important as the scholars themselves, and sometimes even more important. And Shloimi had never heard this before, and it kind of blew his mind. He says to the Torah scholar, is this real? He says, yes, of course, it's based on the Torah. So at that point, Shloimi made it his mission in life to support Torah scholars. Of course, he gave to the local Torah scholar. But then he would go around to Yeshivot and to Batei Midrash, where people were sitting and learning Torah. And he would see with his eyes who he thought was a really good Torah scholar. And in a roundabout way, he would make sure that that Torah scholar's family was supported by his tinsmith business. And in that town, there was a tradition of achnasat ochim, of hosting guests when they came to town. And since everyone wanted to host the guests, they would have lots drawn to see who would have the schut, the merit, to host the guests that came to town. And one time, there was a very thin, sick man with sores all over his body who came to the town. And everyone wanted to host him. And they drew lots. And Shloimi, the tinsmith, won and so he got to take this sick man to his house, and he gave him baths, and he treated his wounds, and he fed him. And after a few days, when he was feeling much better, he thanked Shlomi and his wife, and he said, I'll be going now. And Shlomi said, please stay for a few more days. Please. I want to do the mitzvah of And so he stuck around for a few more days and got even stronger. And at one point, Shlomi says to him, tell me, my friend, what happened to you? How did you get so thin and so sick? All these sores all over your body. And he said that he has learned the entire Talmud, all of Shas, by heart, and the interpretations, all of the commentaries, Rishonim, and the Achonim. And Shloimi's eyes lit up and he said, how did you do that? And he said, that's the problem, my friend. In order for Hashem to allow me to retain this knowledge, I fasted week after week. From Shabbos to Shabbos, I only drank water. I didn't eat anything. And look at how weak I got. But Hashem answered my prayers, and I was able to learn and retain so much. So after the guests parted, Shloimi fasted for that day. And even though he was working in the tinsmith, 
and it was hard, and it was hot. He kept saying to Hashem, Please, Hashem, I want to learn Torah. Please, Hashem. And all day long he was davening. Came home that night, he ate. He didn't feel like anything had happened. So now he fasted for three days. And he went into the forest and said to him, and even though it was hard for him to even pronounce the words, he prayed from the deepest depths of his heart. And he cried out to Hashem, and still he couldn't remember any Torah. So he decided that half the week he would work, and half the week he would fast and daven in the forest. And he did this for several months, until one day, sitting in the middle of the forest, and he sees a Jew in the distance, with a stick in his hand, and a little pack on his back. He comes over to Shlomi and says, Shalom Aleichem, my sweetest friend. Shlomi is a little surprised to see anyone here in the forest. And the stranger says, what are you doing here? Shlomi says, you know my whole life, been trying to learn Torah. Since I was a little boy, can't seem to remember anything, and had a guest. He became weak through fasting and davening, but Hashem answered his prayers. So I decided that I'm going to fast and daven until Hashem answers my prayers. So the stranger says to him, I think I can help you with that. Shlomi says, really? What can you help me with? He said, I want you to give me all of your property, and you're going to come with me into exile for three years, and I will teach you Torah. And when the three years are over, you will be a great scholar. I guarantee it. And right away, Shlomi says, yes, I agree. And the stranger says, not so fast, my friend. You have a wife and a family. You go home and speak with your wife and your father-in-law, and come back here in eight days and tell me what you've decided. And so the tinsmith went back home. He says to his wife, my sweetest wife, you know, I've been fasting and davening, begging Hashem that I become a Torah scholar. And here I was in the middle of the forest, and this stranger who had a light coming out of him. It looks like a real tzaddik. He said to me, if I sign away everything that I own and go with him for three years, he guarantees that I'll be a Torah scholar. And right away, Shlaimi's wife says, I support you in your decision, my husband. However, I have one condition. I want this special Jew to come here and be our guest for one meal. And after we've hosted him, I will be ready for you to sign away everything that we own. So now that he had his wife's support, he went to his father-in-law. He tells him the whole story. And the father-in-law says, I agree. The Torah is worth more than pearls and gold. Certainly worth more than all of the money that you possess. However, Shlaimi, you have a wife and children. And when you married my daughter, you agreed to support them. So if you give away everything that you own, how are you supposed to support them? There's plenty of simple people that support Torah scholars. I'm sure you've been doing it for many years. Why do you have to throw everything away? Just keep davening and asking Hashem to help you. And now Shlomi didn't know what to do. He was confused. And so he spent a few days fasting and crying in the forest, asking Hashem for clarity. And on the eighth day, he went to his wife and he said, you know, I spoke with your father and now I'm confused. You support me. He says, why give everything away when I can simply support Torah scholars? So Shlomi's wife says, the fact that my father was able to confuse you shows that all of your davening and all of your fasting and crying all these years wasn't coming from the deepest place, my husband. If all you really wanted was to become a Torah scholar, then you wouldn't hesitate for one second. Shlomi looked at his wife and he said, I didn't realize I married such a strong woman. He went out into the forest and the stranger was waiting for him. And he said, what have you decided, my friend? And he took a deep sigh. Huh, I think I want to give everything away. And the stranger said, no, Shlaimi, it doesn't work like that. You have to be able to give everything away with a full heart. This has to be what you really want to do. What's going on? And he told him about his father-in-law. And the stranger said, yeah, it's true. There are many simple Jews who support Torah scholars. And do mitzvot. 
And I guarantee you, in the world to come, they are more exalted than most of the scholars who sit and study. And so Shlomi said to the stranger, So maybe my father-in-law is right. The stranger said, I'll give you a few minutes to decide, and then I'm going to leave. And right away, Shlomi wipes away all the hesitation. He says to the stranger, I agreed to give away all of my property to you, and to go into exile for three years. But my wife gave a condition, that you come to our house, and we host you for one meal. So the stranger agreed. They went to Davin Arvit, the evening prayer, and when they came home, candles were burning, and the house was lit up like it was a Yom Tov, like it was a holiday. And the stranger says to Shlomi, what holiday is there today? And he said, I don't know. Let's ask my wife. And when they asked Shlomi's wife, she said, today is a holiday for two reasons. First of all, we have the opportunity of hosting a guest, which in itself is such a great honor. It's as if it's a Yom Tov. And second, I know how Hashem runs the world. And there are many ways for him to take away all of our possessions and our wealth. But in order to do it in exchange for giving us Torah, that is a reason to celebrate. And so they brought a large sack, filled it with all of their jewelry, gold, and all of their possessions. They signed a document witnessed by two neighbors and gave everything away to the stranger. And then they sat down and ate the festive meal. The next morning after davening, the stranger, who was now in possession of all of Shlomi and his wife's property and everything that they formerly owned, he turns to Shlomi's wife and he says, Now that I own your house and all of your property, I'm giving you permission to live here with your family for free, but only as tenants for the next three years until your husband returns. And then he gave her some flour, wheat, and potatoes. And he told her that she can plant the wheat and the potatoes and use the fruits of the orchard. And this was a gift. It wasn't hers anymore. It was a gift from him. And he blessed her and their two sons and their daughter that Hashem should support them. And then he took all of their gold and silver and jewelry and Shlomi and the stranger headed out into the forest. And after they left, Shlomi's wife planted them in the garden and Hashem blessed them with an incredible bounty. She was able to support herself and her family from the produce in the garden for the entire three years while her husband was away. And during that time, Shlomi experienced things that he never imagined that he could experience. And his eyes were opened up to the Torah in a way that no Torah scholar, Melamed or teacher, had ever been able to do for him. And the stranger, who of course was the Helegabal Shemtov, after teaching Shlomi the Torah and the Talmud, and Hasidic concepts, started teaching him from the Zohar and Kabbalistic secrets, gave him the gift of having a holy vision, being able to see into people's souls in the past and the future. And after the three years were over, Shlomi came home. He continued the holy work of the Baal Shem Tov as a tzaddik nistar, as a hidden tzaddik. He got his home back, he got his business back, and he would run the tinsmith, apprenticing young boys who weren't able to learn Torah supporting Torah scholars, and many times he would disappear for days or weeks at a time, and his wife knew that he was on a holy mission for the Helegabal Shem Tov. And when the day came that Shlaimi and his wife eventually left this world, they were given a place in Gan Eden, in heaven, with the greatest Torah scholars. Shlaimi was put in the palace of the Bnei Torah, and his wife was put in the palace of the righteous women. And every time Shlomi's soul went to a higher palace in heaven, they would transfer his wife to a higher place as well, saying that the only reason that Shlomi became such a great tzaddik 
was all due to the merit of his wife and her faith in her husband and her faith in the tzaddik and her faith in the Kadosh Baruch Hu for the sake of Torah. Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friends. That was a bit of a long story. So that's the only story this week. I want to thank all of the supporters of the podcast, the people that continue supporting every month, every year. I so appreciate your support. You really have no idea. Baruch Hashem, my wife and I, we host many people on Shabbos. We literally fill every space at the table. And how many weeks do I say to Hashem, How am I going to pay for these Shabbos meals? And then the payments from the supporters come in. And you, Mamish, saved my life every time. So thank you so much for your support. And of course, to all the listeners and all of the sweet people on YouTube and Facebook that send me comments and anywhere somebody sends me a comment. Please keep on sharing the podcast, my sweetest friends, and growing stronger in your faith in Hashem and your serving Hashem with joy. And remember the words of the great Rebbe, Rebbe Nachman, never, ever, ever, Give up, because in a second, things can turn around in a way that you never imagined. Just hold on, my sweetest friends. You can do it. Ah, ha, lef, bet, gehem, o, dal, ed, hey.